The Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-V and Toys and Ford. I am your host, Dan Casper. As always, special episode of the Man Cave Podcast because, well, it's actually the All Aboard the Eau Claire Express Podcast. If you know, I also host the All Aboard the Eau Claire Express Podcast, available on your favorite podcasting platforms. But uh, I had the chance to catch up or, or chat and, and meet for the first time former Major League Baseball player and Major League Baseball coach Tom Poquette. It's going to be Tom Poquette bobblehead night on August 12th at the Eau Claire Express game. So I love sports history. You all know that. I love learning about the history of the game, of any game, football, baseball, basketball, whatever it was. I could have talked to Tom probably for hours and hours and hours. Uh, It was just a fun conversation. Learned a lot. So you know what? It's available our conversation's available on the latest episode of the All Aboard, the Eau Claire Express podcast, and it's going to be right here on the Man Cave podcast as well. So enjoy this special episode of the All Aboard, the Eau Claire Express podcast on the Man Cave podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the All Aboard, the Eau Claire Express podcast. I am your host, Dan Casper, and this is a special episode of the All Aboard, the Eau Claire Express podcast, because coming up this Saturday for the Eau Claire Express game, the final regular season home game for the Express before they start their playoffs, it's a special night, it's fan appreciation night, but also Tom Poquette bobblehead nights at the express game and we're lucky to be joined with mr tom poquette right now in the studio thanks tom for for stopping in and and getting to meet you and uh well getting to be able to learn a little bit more about you too sure uh, great to be here dan and and uh, i'm gonna enjoy this night i think and yeah. the the toysons uh bought the uh club from uh bill roulette so mm-hmm. they're on their way right now they're yeah. got some good years going dedicated you can tell just uh, talking with craig and dan uh the big baseball family and love baseball a lot i've known dan a few years and mm-hmm. and uh so i've i've done some business with them and mm-hmm. such and they i was great to hear that they they purchased the express so yeah i uh i was really happy for that and they're going to do a great job because they love baseball mm-hmm. and they know a lot about it and yep. and such so uh wish them the best i know uh, a couple of conversations with craig he's always i think in almost every conversation he's kind of brought up you uh your name he's like i always kind of pick his brain about the history and you know mm-hmm. ask him questions and all that and that's one thing i've gotten to learn from craig too he just loves learning about the history uh, of the game too yes he does and uh, you know i and <clears throat> i've been retired now for since 07 mm-hmm. so uh i basically retired up near uh, long lake and uh, so I would run to Bloomer all the time, and mm-hmm. 
and for my trucks or my cars or whatever. And then I moved down here five years ago and doing the same thing here. You yep. know, we, we're on the north side, and we just run, I run out to uh, the Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, I've enjoyed that. So obviously, you've gotten a lot. You have a, a big, ba- a long baseball career. Let's take it back to the Eau Claire days mm-hmm. to, to kind of start it off because that's where you played, right? Eau Claire, uh, was it Eau Claire Memorial? Uh, actually, actually, it goes back even farther. Oh, it okay. goes back when Bill Roulette and, and the Twin City Sports and uh, Yard 4 and oh, all wow. that. I was a bat boy for those clubs okay. at Carson Park. So I started out my career as a bat boy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so... I've uh, I kind of grew up in that ballpark, mm-hmm. and I went to a few games when I was very young with uh, Henry Ern and, and really okay and Joe Torrey and Walter Riniak and wow. and those guys that started the original you know Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I, I, at that time, they called it a, probably a D team or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I remember at that point being the bat boy on through, and then I've. And of course, my dad coached at Memorial for thirty some years, mm-hmm. football, basketball, and bat and baseball. And so I chased balls around that school for many years, mm-hmm. and then started actually with the little league program in Eau Claire, which was Connie Chumas, and going back to those days, Man. and then Babe Ruth mm-hmm. uh, programs and such. So I uh, I got kind of the the right from. Ground zero here in Eau Claire. So it was something walking into the ballpark yesterday and seeing how great it's looking. Mm-hmm. And the, the field looks great. And uh, so uh, it's going to be some fun. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I, going back to your dad, would you say that's where your passion for baseball and sports kind of started at? It it definitely did. I mean, I, I grew up on 322 Garfield Avenue and the university mm-hmm. and i went to campus school i don't know anybody around here knows what <laughs> campus school was but uh, uh that was a uh an elementary school that, mm-hmm. uh, attached to the university at that time so i went from kindergarten on through there until oh gosh high school junior high and then high school so um yeah i that's where i started and i started working out at the university stuff down there mm-hmm with Frank Rigglesworth and uh, Rice and and all the the great uh, football coaches down there. Right. Actually, they were the PE coaches down there at the time, okay. plus coaches. So our 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 deal was to go over and we work out there with the kids all the way through seventh eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it was. Uh, I guess I had a pretty solid thing. Plus fishing at the river. I mean, I grew up on the river, too, fishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so I'd had some old friends I used to fish with in Eau Claire here that we grew up in the Third Ward. Nice. So, so going back to, to your bat ball or boy or, uh, 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 bat boy days, Yeah. Uh, did you, I mean, what was that like as a kid? I mean, obviously you probably didn't know some of those players, you know, what would they would grow up to, to be or, or anything like that. But you have any fond memories of, of being the uh, bat boy for all those years? Yeah, I, you know, that, I think the, the main thing, I got to know probably guys in that era, you know, they were, oh gosh, uh, maybe, well, my brother's uh, 80. Mm-hmm. So that was the era. Bill Rolette and mm-hmm. and uh, those guys, uh, Gene Garner. I mean, these guys were the, you know, 
the basis and the foundation for those teams at that time right that played and uh so i got to know a lot of those and of course when i was uh my dad was coaching at memorial i i saw a lot of them come through memorial high school as Mm -hmm. basketball players and that type of thing and football players and and then go to the university so right uh, I guess uh, you, you went to the University of Ohio. I, I, I yes, yep, graduated yep. there. Little little past you. Yeah, well, a few yeah. years after you. A few years, a few years, few years after years. you. But you did grow up in Medford. How did you know? So you know my background here a little bit. I do. Look at that. My dad grew up in Medford. No so, kidding. Yeah, he's really? from Medford. Okay, Wisconsin. So I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's uh, an awesome <laughs> connection there. All right. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So that was a. You know, he's. Uh, I used to go to Medford all the time. Yeah. And I uh, last thing I remember about Medford, there was a pool downtown, mm-hmm. and he took us there as little kids. This is, you know, help people out a little bit. They're sitting and he's talking with a lifeguard, and he said, "Gosh," he said, "Is that your kid laying at the bottom of the pool?" And he goes, "Oh man, gosh." He drove in and got me off the bottom. That of the was pool. you. That was me. <laughs> I took in so much water that day. I was, uh, you know. I was laying at the bottom of the pool. I couldn't get up. So <laughs> I actually I lived on uh, it was Park Avenue, so not far from from that pool. Yeah, that's where I yep. grew up. Yep. So and his dad was a manager at the lumber company. And oh, no uh, kidding, Medford. So he did was a logger. Wow, what a small world over yep. there. That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah. well, you you graduated uh, from from Eau Claire. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Were you drafted uh, straight out of high school in the fourth round? <laughs> Correct. I, I uh, at that time I, I went through Memorial and 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 we had actually you know some pretty good teams at that time mm-hmm. and uh, we had a lot of players actually we had Greg Bolig and Stan Morley and and uh, you know a lot of them that went to the Hagens mm-hmm. went to uh, University of Wisconsin Madison and and so I I ended up uh, you know uh, getting drafted fourth round by Kansas City and. Art Stewart, who was, you know, just a legend in Kansas City as far as uh, uh, scouting and mm-hmm. player development and such. So he drafted me, and, and uh, he came to the house and uh, offered me a contract. But at the same time, I did get a, uh, I went down with Greg Bolig and Hagen and such down to uh, University of Madison, and they offered me uh, a baseball scholarship down there. So I had two... Right. different things I could have done at that time. Uh, I've always wanted to play baseball, and here's my dad, a psychology teacher. See, he's sitting in there in the living room, and he goes, and I took listened to Art Stewart, and and he goes, well, Tom, what do you think? And I go, well, what do you think? He says, ah, it's, your, it's your life. It's your <laughs> life. Make a decision. You know, you either go to full-ride scholarship to Madison or you start baseball. Mm-hmm. And I decided, well, I'm going to start baseball. I rolled the dice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I gave up a lot. Mm-hmm. I gave up a lot, uh, you know, at Madison and such. But, but I rolled the dice. I went with Kansas City, and and I don't regret it at all. Mm-hmm. So. so, what was it like as a uh, life as a minor league player as before you got to got to the show? Yeah, I, I mean, I started. I left here like shortly after I graduated, and I was on a plane and went to Kingsport, Tennessee. And uh, got off a plane there, and my paperwork said just go to this place at the clubhouse. And I went there, and they said, well, go get an apartment. 
you know, this, go there, and, and you can eat here or there or whatever. So you're kind of on your own. It wasn't like uh, dad and mom taking you to right. the dormitory and saying, you know, well, I'm going to move you in and do this or do that. You're on your own. Mm-hmm. And so I went and found a place to live at that time and an apartment, and I started from there, and I went from rookie ball there till a ball the next year at Waterloo, Iowa, and and then I went to uh, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, double A, mm-hmm. and then Omaha, Nebraska, and I basically set some goals for myself to be either in the big leagues in four years or I was going to go back to school, and uh, being my brother was a lawyer, I I had gone through Tulane University when he was down there going through law school, and okay. I thought, well, gosh, that would be a good off-season, whatever. But once I got into baseball, I mean, I was going all all year long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went to winter balls, I went to Puerto Rico, and that type of thing, and I got into the big leagues when 1973, I think my debut was against the Twins, and uh, so I said, well, I'm here, you know, so... Yep. I uh, I continued on from that point. So, what was it like to find out that you were going to, to the big leagues? Do you still remember that moment? Oh, definitely. Out? Uh, you know, it, it, and I was playing at that time. I was coming through the, the minor leagues. I played with George. George was playing third base, and I was in the outfield. And you had Dennis Leonard. You had uh, oh gosh, uh, quite a few. I think split off, spent some time there in Omaha when I was there, and. And a bunch of guys that were mainstays for our playoffs, mm-hmm. the 77, 78, 79 playoff series. So against the Yankees. So, you know, we kind of came through the, the system together, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, George is still now uh, vice president and uh, uh, in Kansas City. And he, he goes to spring training, and he's continuing in. Uh, Frank White was my roommate. In Omaha, you know, uh, all Hall of Fame second baseman mm-hmm. in, in Kansas City, and and so um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot of people along the way, mm-hmm. a lot of people, and uh, so I spent those twelve years going up through the system, and then with Kansas City, Whitey Herzog playoffs, and then being traded to. Uh, uh, Austin. Mm-hmm. So you played for Scott. yeah, you played for a few different teams mm-hmm. uh, over there too. I mean, but it, you're you're wearing the Kansas City uh, polo on there. That's still that's yeah the, I, the team you you, you know kinda, I, I really enjoyed Boston. It was yeah. a great place to play. Uh, fans, you know, they were really really uh, you know appreciative fans. Mm-hmm. You had to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I ended up three thirty one or something like that with Boston when I went there and. Uh, uh, you know they're like a New York plan. They they <laughs> they require some. You know they they you got to put out. But right. that was me because that's what I did on my whole career. You know I, right. I wasn't the best talent in the world, but I had to do other things to make myself. You know mm-hmm. stay there right and and have some good years, and uh, then go on to coaching for twenty years. So yeah, plus years. So. So while while you're playing, and I'm going to steal this because I know uh, Craig has mentioned that he's asked you this before too. But like, you know, who were some of the pitchers that you faced that maybe gave you the fits, or was the toughest pitcher that that you faced? Well, yeah, uh, number one that does come to mind is was uh, uh, well Nolan 
Nolan's got everybody in his book. Yeah. I don't care if you <laughs> look at his book. He's got, I don't care who they are. He's, he did his thing against a lot of people, and he's got me in there, too. I don't think that anybody's so, going to break that strikeout record uh, from Nolan. No. I mean, he's, he's, he's legit. And he, the thing about what amazed me with Nolan, he was such a, uh, a guy that would work out continuously. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go to the ballpark early. You go to the ballpark 2 o'clock, he's out there running. You know, and he always kept his legs in shape, and he used his legs. He, he threw hard. Then he developed the Gerb ball. And then when he did that, it, it was, I think he was in Anaheim at the time. I remember him doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had got traded to Boston, and, and uh, we were playing him. I was playing that day, you know. And I think I was, I, Freddie Lim was out that day, and I was playing center field. And he had both pitches going for him. I mean, he was good. And I, I think we got four hits that day, and I got three of them. Nice. And not, every one of them were just made the infield. <laughs> and I said, I'll take them. Yeah. I'll take them because, you know, he was such a tough, tough pitcher, mm-hmm. you know. And whatever you could do with him on a particular day, when he's on, he's on. And, you know, you get your hits any way you can get your hits. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he was tough. Dennis Leonard was tough. I mean, I got traded during a uh, in the middle of a doubleheader in Kansas really? City. This is something that you know probably I don't know if anybody's ever done it, but probably. But I don't know. But it happened to me. I played the first game with Kansas City, and then I played the second game with Boston. No kidding. So I came in, and Whitey Herzog goes, "Hey, Poke, come on in here a second. You just got traded." I said, "You did, but you don't have to go far." across the oh jeez right under right under the stadium I went in and I saw Don Zimmer in his office so I went in and and talked to Don Zimmer and and uh glad to have you you know and I went in and and they had my bags packed for me and they brought them in and I played in that game no so, kidding Dennis Leonard who was my roommate you know with Kansas City and I knew Dennis all the way through the minor leagues and such and we lived together down in Sarasota Florida and what does he do? He takes the first pitch and puts it right here in my rib, and I go down and I got up and and you know he's out there just he couldn't tell if he was grinning or not because he always wore that big red you know uh, Raleigh fingers mustache, mm-hmm. so you couldn't tell if he's <laughs> grinning or not. But he he was grinning, yeah, you know. So uh, I I that's just the way it is, you mm-hmm. know. Once you get traded, you, you you're you go for the other guy. So. Right. Was there a, was there a team that you wish you would have played for, or were you just happy? You know, you were you were satisfied with. Where you know, you were I, at. I, the Boston. I had some. I, I hit three thirty one, and mm-hmm. I, and I mean, there my first year, and and then the second year, well, I had uh, dove in a game right at the end of the year against uh, Sorensen for mm-hmm. the Brewers, and I dislocated my shoulder my right shoulder at that time but I got up I moved it around and I think I even ended up three three hits that day and uh kept on playing and I ended up uh kind of tearing a rotator cuff at that time so I I did have to do rehab mm-hmm. all winter and then I took it into spring training and it was really bad in spring training so I ended up having surgery that year and then I was there well, I think two more years or whatever Boston and then Don Zimmer was fired from Boston, and he went to Texas. So I love Don. He, he was the greatest guy in the world, along with Whitey Herzog, Jack McKeon. Those are the guys I had, mm-hmm. you know, and they were 
great baseball people and enjoyable really playing for them all mm-hmm. and uh, uh, all different kinds. You know, they they were different type of managers. Right. Zim was a Zim was Zim. I mean, he he was great, and uh, so yeah, I ended up Zim got. Uh, fired from Boston he went to Texas and I ended up going to Texas with him mm-hmm. that third year so I spent half the year in Texas and then came back and and then uh, that was a year uh, was 82 82 I was uh, went down and did a physical for the Brewers and I actually wanted to play for the Brewers I mean I I, I, I really wanted that bad and uh, I took my physical passed the physical and stuff and John Sherholz called me from Kansas City and said, "We want you back this year. You missed out on the, you know, the, the years that we you when you left, and we want you back. We want to go to a World Series." So I end up signing with the the Royals instead of the Brewers. And mm-hmm. guess who goes? To- Brewers go to eighty two. Yeah, Brewers go in eighty two. And I go, well, wrong place, wrong time again. But mm-hmm. overall, my career was the right place at the right time. So I I have no regrets with that and uh, that's just that's baseball right that is baseball that's the career and mm-hmm. and uh, i've always taken baseball as fun enjoyable work hard and uh and uh give 100 percent. i had to mm-hmm. i had to that was just my my what i did right and so uh yeah i I have no regrets. On yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you were talking about uh, your story, your injury there too, and I mean, uh, I read a story too that scary crash in the wall uh, th- yeah. that that you had too. That's, right. And then after that, they started putting padding on the walls. It sounds You're like. right. I what I what I did there was seventy six, and and probably I came out of nowhere because I I did have surgery on a knee mm-hmm. two years before that, so I had to work myself back from that injury, and. Uh, uh, so that was 76. I came out and I actually broke with the club as the, you know, fourth outfielder. And I, I, you know, and I, I had to, I sat there for a while and watched what was going on. And then finally, I just said, if I get the chance, I'm just going to give it all. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, started uh, uh, playing a little bit and then more and more and more. And so then Whitey was using me on all different hitting positions, number one slot, number two slot. You know, number five slot, uh, seven slot, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hit, uh, well, I was hitting 336 or something like that, 35, uh, early with uh, Kansas City. And I finished up 300 at the end of the year. But but I don't think they expected that of me. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess they, you know, Whitey always said, well, it's a pleasant surprise. It's a pleasant surprise. So, great. You know, that's just what I did. Mm-hmm. So, so af- after your playing career... Uh, where did you get the thought or who approached you about coaching and being a hitting coach? In that? Yeah, and that was kind of interesting, too, how life takes its many turns. I I uh, probably thought, you know, that would be the last thing. I, although I got a little, in, uh, a little inclination when I was with Boston because I had good relationship with Carly Skremski and, and a lot of the guys that were there, Walter Riniak was a, a big big influence on me when I left because Charlie Lau was a big influence and Walter had played for Charlie and 
knew Charlie. Mm-hmm. So when I went there, Walter asked me right away, what about all these guys in Kansas City that are hitting the ball all over the field and da-da-da-da-da-da? And I said, well, you, you practice it, you know, you got to practice it. You know, home runs are great. I loved home runs, too. I, I could lift them out of Yankee Stadium if I wanted, but I was a type that I had to produce mm-hmm. because I was an extra outfielder at that time. I had to produce when I needed to, and and so that's just the way I went, too. And then Charlie had a big thing to do with that. Walter had a big thing to do with that. And uh, so, you know, I, I Yaz would come back and he'd ask me, how did you... How'd I do, Polk? How'd I do? Well, Yaz used to keep his hands way high. Mm-hmm. You know, they were way up in the air like this, and, and he did great. He, I mean, triple crown winner, I don't know how many times, and uh, that's what he did. But he at that time, he was 39 years old, 40 years old, so he was, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the way it goes, you know, at that age. And he had done so much with a great career, and uh, so he started to move his hands down a little bit because he was working for his 3,000th hit. Mm. And uh, and he got it. And he got it when I was there, and I was proud of him and, you know, that type of thing. And I go, damn, you know, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, so, you know, that's one of the things that uh, kind of gives you a inspiration for that. Right. So I come back to Eau Claire, and actually I was still, I was still in Boston, Texas, and Kansas City, and I got involved in the Eau Claire Racquetball Club here, okay. and I was one of the owners there. There was three owners at the time, Dennis Jevney, Gary Myers, and myself. And so when I came back in 82, uh, for some reason, I I had just I decided at that point, you know, I probably will stick around, you know. Mm-hmm. And the club, that was a fiasco. It was a, you know, a lot of things went on there. Uh, I'm glad to see Dove Healthcare is there now. Nice, okay. Dove, you know, and they are beautiful, mm-hmm. just absolutely beautiful. They built on the same site. So, and they've, uh, uh, Louis Phillips bought the club, I know, at that time, and he brought in uh, a manager for that, and they had it 20-plus years, Mark Phillips and Louis Phillips mm-hmm. and the family, and, and uh, they did very well, and then, Dove, Dove went, it went to Dove. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're doing great. I mean, beautiful mm-hmm. place. Yep. You know? Absolutely. So I, in fact, I, I just put, we just put uh, my wife's mother up in Rice Lake. She just went into Dove up in Rice Lake. And she she just called the other day and said she loves it. <laughs> she loves it. I, Patricia, uh, I give you a shout out. <laughs> Hope there you're you doing go. a good time, having a good time there. Perfect. And, uh, I'm glad it's working. I'm mm-hmm. glad it's working. But uh, yeah, they, that's the way things kind of come around, right? You know. And then I get a phone call. I'm working for Donlan Tyson, Ned Donlan, and and uh, um, and I'm working in real estate at the time. I went and got my real estate license and stuff. And I got a call from Kansas City Art Stewart, and he said, "Okay, oh, interested in coming back." And I I thought, gosh. And he said, you want to do an interview, and we've got some slots open and such. And and so uh, it was John Bowles at the time called me and did a little interview over the phone and, and such. And, and we got done with it, and he said, well, 
He says, I got two slots. I got a double A slot. I got a triple A slot in Omaha, Nebraska, hitting coach. He said, you think you can handle that? I go, sure, I'll do that. I said, they fly still, don't they? <laughs> he said, I didn't think you were a dummy. He said, I, I didn't think you were a dummy. So I I uh, went back to Omaha, AAA, and I did the AAA hitting. And, and I maneuvered through Omaha in the championship, and then I went on to hitting coordinator. And then I went, when Hal McRae got the job, I went back and did the hitting in Omaha for him for two years. Okay. And then I went to hitting coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the big leagues with uh, Tony Muser, you know, when Tony got the job in Kansas City. So, yeah, it's I've been around. I, I was a utility man, and I I just I went where I needed to be, mm-hmm. and it all worked out. So I love it. How yeah. how difficult is it to to be a hitting coach in the league? Because you were talking about batting stances mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, and everybody it's a unique to to everybody yeah. uh, out there. So is it something that? As a hitting coach, it's it's kind of difficult, or you have to adapt to every single person because you, they're, you, they're unique that way. You basically adapt to every single person. Uh, you know, I I I went through. I had uh, Charlie Lau. I had Walter Reniak. I had uh, uh, Joe Gordon. I had uh, uh, Mickey Vernon. I mean, these guys, and I had Ted Williams. Mm. So when I was with Boston, so uh, Ted would always be in spring training with Boston and hit me a thousand line drives, fly balls, or whatever, and work me in the outfield. And then and then if, you know, he sees something with a hitter or something, he'll say something. But right. he didn't spend the whole year there. He just did mainly spring training. So uh, some pretty good heads with, with hitting. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie, of course, uh, with Charlie Lau. And, and so, but the big thing about Charlie, he wouldn't, there's certain basics and fundamentals of hitting that you have to do, but everybody's different. You know, I'm not going to be a McGuire. I'm not going to be a, you know, a Sammy Sosa. I'm not right. going to be that type guy that that does that. But I will, I will come through in a in a pinch mm-hmm. when we need it. You know, making contact, driving to all fields, using the whole field. Mm-hmm. Baseball today has kind of gotten away a little bit of that, but there's still guys like Francona. There's guys like that I, mm-hmm. I played with that uh, that still believe in, you know, of you know that getting that run across the plate, yep. whatever it is. If I got to bunt them over, I bunt them over. Right. If I got to hit to the opposite field, move a runner, move a runner. And all the little things in the game are so important, and uh, you've got to you've got to utilize all of it. You know, mm-hmm. I loved a home run hitter when I was managing, you know, in the minor leagues. I'd grab a couple of them, you know, where I needed to, and, and but teach them all the, the basic fundamentals. Teach them to bunt. I don't care if the guy hits whatever. Teach them to drop a bunt whenever, too. Right. You know, I mean, you get to get, like I was talking about, get get up against a guy like Nolan Ryan and, and some other pitchers that, that uh, they just have stuff, you know, and you do the best you can there. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, to win ball games, I think we won a hundred and oh, what was it, 106 games that year? You know, mm-hmm. 103 and and another year, and and you need to do all the little things in the game mm-hmm. along with defense. And that was another thing I I took pride in. I I think one year I went with one air, and really, uh, um, so you know, you know, I mean. I used to tell players, I mean, I can, I'll drive, I, I, drive a run in, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Hit a home run, drive, 
get a driver run in or whatever, but don't go in the outfield or don't go in the infield and give up four. You know, that's a negative. Mm-hmm. What you want to try being the positive all the time, what you, you drive in and and what what you're going to do on the field. Mm-hmm. Don't let four runs in because of some you know, mistake, error, whatever. Right. So that's real important to winning. Yeah. So uh, I know watching the, the small amount of time I've watched uh, Dale here, you know, and he's a really good fundamental type guy too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I see that, you know, they, they won the first half. They're going in now for the, the second. Uh, if Once you get yourself in there, I did that many times managing. Mm-hmm. If I could win that first half, I knew second half I'll figure it out. Right. You know, <laughs> maybe get a couple extra players here or there, or whatever you got to do mm-hmm. to win there. You know, so uh, I'm sure uh, he, I see him doing all those things. Vic Cable has done a great job. He's, yep. you know, he's been there for 18 years or whatever it is. And, yeah. and uh, uh, I mean, these guys are, and plus the players are exciting players mm-hmm. with the Express. Yep. You know, I, I look at, at it as when I had. Uh, uh, managing my first year managing was Eugene, Oregon, and uh, I had uh, Shane Halter, I had uh, Vidiello, and I had five, six guys that you know. A lot of the people in the organization said, "Ah, they're you know they're just they're minor league players, you know they're fill-ins or mm-hmm. whatever." I said, "No, I, I said I got to mark them down as potential big league players." Six of them went to the big leagues. Really, six of them, and they. they, they 10-year career, 9-year career, you know, 5-year career, and and some of that. And and so you don't, you know, you've got to give the benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. you don't know. you got to take the individual and what's inside the individual and what he's going to do. Right. Talents, abilities, five tools or whatever is always there. I had a lot of five-tool players that never made it to the big leagues, you know, or were only there a couple days, mm-hmm. a cup of coffee or whatever. But uh, you, you, there's a big, big part of it that uh, that the individual has in his heart to to play there, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's what only you can see. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stats aren't everything, but you know, right. I know they got a stat for everything in the Gosh, book right yeah. today. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. I, I, you know, I thought I had in Kansas City the most advanced video systems, and I had. TVs everywhere and videos everywhere and whatever, but you gotta you gotta have that. But always remember, you know, there's a lot of part part of the game that that goes back to the individual and what right. he wants to do to mm-hmm. win. Yep. You know, so it's interesting. Would you say at your time as a minor league manager, you know, the what were the relationships like with with your players? I feel like they would be really really close. Like you you're on the road and. I don't know. Maybe you were at times where you're telling those players, "Hey, you're going to, uh, to the big leagues." I mean, were oh, the relationships really tight? In definitely, definitely were. And uh, you know, and you get to know the guys that have the heart mm-hmm. to play. You know, and those are the guys that you you bring along or whatever you're going to do because you know what they're going to be like. You know what you got, right? You know, you know what you got when you put them into a situation where they're going to either. You put them into situations early that they're going to have success. Right. You don't put them into a situation where they're going to fail. And so you always try to do that as you're developing a player. Mm-hmm. good example is Zach Grinke. 
you know, I had Zach Grinke when when I was managing George Betts Club, Spokane, uh, Washington. I managed out there three years for Bobby Brett and uh, George and Ken Brett, and uh, the Brett brothers owned mm-hmm. that franchise. And that was probably one really enjoyable part of my career, too, because I had uh, gone back. I was out of the big leagues, and I went back and and did that type of thing. And, and uh, uh, Zach came in. I'll never forget. He came in that, you know, and he was a high draft pick out of uh, Louisiana. And... and uh, and I, you know, you could see early Zach had some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he had some stuff. And one thing about Zach, he was always very around the plate. He had, you know, he knew where he wanted to put the baseball. And now you see, you know, how many years later he's forty still years old there, now. Yeah. He's still there. I know. You know, I think re- recently he just went on a disabled list or an injury list or something mm-hmm. like that. But I don't think that's going to be too long. But you know, I've I've seen guys pitch into their 43, 44, and yeah. more guys are being able to do it because they learn how to pitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zach was certainly one that began and learned how to pitch mm-hmm. and became very successful at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you got to give a guy like that credit. Anybody that spends that amount of time in the major leagues, yeah. you know, um, that they they've done. They've done the job. Absolutely. They've figured it out. Mm -hmm. And so physical stuff, you know, it's going to happen. Right. Injuries are going to happen. It's how you play. Myself, I had a lot of injuries. I'm only at, uh, I think, injury or my surgeries are at about low 40s right oh, now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I'm, if I hadn't been for Mayo Clinic here, I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be together. So they, they've done a good, good job. That's the reason we actually moved down here was to be closer to Mayo, and we're out at Princeton Valley area, and, and I'm only five minutes from Mayo now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I left something up there was a paradise, you know. Mm-hmm. 80 acres and hunting and fishing and stuff like that but sometimes your career your life changes and you've got to make decisions Mm -hmm. and we made a decision right so i mean it all doesn't life's moving all the time and you just keep moving with it or else you get left behind i like that mindset (laughs) i like that uh you mentioned the express i mean you look at this area you you played in it as a kid you're we've got you know little league teams that are going to new york for for the babe ruth world series you've got legion baseball teams that are going to national stuff uh we got uw you know eau claire's got their baseball team back you got the express i mean the chippewa river baseball mm-hmm. league i mean this is a rich baseball community it, it uh, is there. and you know i think it it starts it starts with the people in the city mm-hmm. i mean you know the basis is that people in the city it's I, and you understand that everybody's not a professional mm-hmm. you know you're not a professional coach. You're not, but the people that volunteer their time or started out, I know uh, the Cavaliers, you know, and 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 guy, uh, teams like that. Well, it goes back to Twin City Sports, Yard Four, and all those teams and the people. Glenn St. Arnold, mm-hmm. they all put their time in. Glenn was I had Glenn many years, and and they put their time in, and they made the sport. You know, uh, the Chumases, Connie Chumas, and uh, they they make the sport and and provide their time for it, and then you know 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the the teams just flourish at that point. The the Legion teams, the uh, Babe Ruth teams, and the Little League teams, and all of that. And growing up at you know at the university, we were able to go down and play football in the in the university football fields mm-hmm. and uh, uh, baseball fields down there. So that's how we grew up. In between our fishing at the river, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were always uh, always doing something all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I mean, I did the. I had one of the largest paper routes, St. Paul Pioneer Press paper routes in the the city. Was all the Third Ward area. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. And I, so I used to run dailies, and I used to run the Sunday paper that were at that time this thick. Uh, uh, you know, I know papers have gotten a little skinnier since then, but. Mm-hmm. They were heavy, and you'd strap them on your back and either run, jog, walk, or every once in a while I would take a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple more questions uh, sure. for, for you, Tom, here. Uh, did you have a favorite ballpark that you played in? Uh, you mentioned Yankee Stadium. You, you played mm-hmm. in Fenway. Was there one that just, you know, that, that was always your favorite to, to go to? Um I think I think early it was Kansas City because of the size. It was a big ballpark. Mm-hmm. It was artificial turf, and it was hard. And it was perfect for how I was hitting. But Boston and Yankee Stadium, you, there's nothing like playing in Boston or mm-hmm. Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium, and, uh, you know, places like that. Uh, I think those three right there mm-hmm. uh, were the, you know, um, what I enjoyed Fenway, I think I got a standing ovation the first time I ran on the field when I got traded. I mean, it was that's awesome. You just go, wow, yeah. You know, this is, this place is really hopping with the fans really know their baseball and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Now the three uh, uh, playoff world, the playoff series with New York it was seventy seven, seventy eight, seventy nine, and Yankees are exciting. I mean, those people, uh, you know. I mean, I remember bottles coming out of oh, the thing smashing right next to me during a playoff. You know, they stopped the game and clean it clean or whatever. It up, yeah. But they knew baseball, too, and they they demand, you know, a high degree. Mm-hmm. And so you got to give everything, and there were great fans. Mm-hmm. You know, East Coast fans were great fans and and such. So uh, I think, you know, those three, those three stadiums right there were great. Yeah. Uh, who was your favorite player as a kid? Did you have a favorite player growing up as a kid that that you watched or followed along? Uh, well, I, I remember watching Aaron here, mm-hmm. you know, and and I was pretty young at that time. Um, uh, but Yaskramski too. I, I mm-hmm. watched him uh, up in Minneapolis, Bloomington, mm-hmm. and I I played up in Bloomington, in, in fact, and then I played in you know the uh, the Dome and. Uh, you know, I I, I think um, those type guys. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they'd been around a long time. Uh, a lot of wisdom in the game. Yeah. You know, when I was there in Boston, and maybe you know, if I helped a little, but their wisdom was really really beneficial. Guys like Yaz, mm-hmm. and, and uh, guys had been around a while, had a good good influence on me mm-hmm. at that point. I think. Not only for playing, but for my later years, mm-hmm. you know, and getting to know people like Zimmer and Riniac and Charlie Lau and, and uh, you know, guys that they weren't all superstars, 
Right. But but they knew the game, mm-hmm. and they related the game to you, and uh, and what it takes, the relationships with the players. You know, I mean, uh, like you said, with the young rookies, you know, you need to you need to uh, bring them along and do what they are doing best. Mm-hmm. But the the key fundamentals of hitting are always the same. And then stances, everything like that. You know. uh, everybody's a different type of hitter, you know. And you you go with the strength, and and try to decrease the uh, the, the weaknesses a guy has. Uh, so if you can improve those weaknesses a little bit, go with the strengths and uh, improve over here. Then then you got somebody that has figured the game out. And know what they have to do in the situation. Mm-hmm. So. so you got your bobblehead coming out. Uh, what was your reaction when you first heard that? Uh, oh, I, when he mentioned it to me, you know, Dan uh, Toyson and Craig, and I, I said, sure, yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. So I had been in touch with them through the winter time, and 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 Craig called me. He says, "Gosh," he said, "I've talked to Kansas City trying to get the rights for the bobblehead," and so that's this is how that came out. <clears throat> And then finally, Kansas City called him back and said, basically, it's in MLB's hands in New York. So I think that what they did is they contacted MLB out there, mm-hmm. and uh, and sure, they still own me, <laughs> you want to say? Right. So they said, sure, go ahead and do it. And, and But the more I started thinking about it and, and such, uh, you know, it would be nice to do a bobblehead for Memorial High School mm-hmm. because this is where I came from, yep. you know. If they wanted to do a bobblehead in New York or Boston or Kansas City or something, that would have been great, but mm-hmm. I wasn't that type of player. So uh, I said, Memorial would be great. That's where I grew up. These are my roots, mm-hmm. and now I'm back to my roots. So uh, let's have at it. Yeah. So Have you seen the bobblehead yet? Yes. Yes. I have. Yeah, I've seen pictures of it. Yeah. So. So, uh, sure, and I mean, I, I, I think the stance was taken, you mm-hmm. know, of of my career, right, uh, from Kansas City. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. We're just going to have some fun out there Saturday mm-hmm. night, and and uh, I believe six thirty, and yep. and they're giving away those bobbleheads or whatever. I'll be out there. I'll sign autographs at the beginning, and then I'll sign. I think fourth inning, I'll be doing that. And then maybe later in the game, I'll be you know. Well, all they're around. putting you to work too. It sounds that's like. fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I never, I've never shied away from a little work. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I can't wait to get out there. And, and uh, Tom, I, I can't thank you enough. To I mean, we could oh, probably keep you. going on for hours and hours. Yeah, you, you yeah know, I, 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 mean, I agree. I agree. Is... I, it's a it's a great sport, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm glad Eau Claire has done what they've done. They've been good. They've been on top of it. And you know, I mean, guys that have helped that along, and and now they've got hitting facilities here. They've yep. got, I, I think, uh, I think the fella that was so instrumental in the Babe Ruth programs and stuff like that, uh, uh, Mark Fonis, yep. I think he he built and him and Dale actually, Dale yep. had that. They've got a hitting deal yep. out there. Those two guys have put in more time than anybody, and uh, uh, so. Uh, it's a great basis for a town. Yep. I mean, in, you know, you just look at Eau Claire and you go around the country, mm-hmm. which I've been, I worked in every state, you know, and I mean, Eau Claire is probably one of the best you're going to find anywhere. And actually, it's 
on the national list. So <laughs> it's a good town. Absolutely. It's a good town. Well, Tom, thank you so much, and congratulations again uh, for well, thank your you. career and, yeah. uh, and for Saturday night, too. Yeah, so. thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the All Aboard the Eau Claire Express podcast. Big thanks to Tom Poquette for stopping by and chatting with us for a while. Don't forget, bobblehead night, Saturday, August 12th, Tom Poquette bobblehead night. Should be a lot of fun. We'll see you at the ballpark, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the All Aboard the Eau Claire Express podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.